Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add-ons like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Unitanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. Great beer is about drinkability. Doesn't matter the style. You guys are like walking beer Wikipedia. That's the first time that you've ever accepted me as a person. Or you have a fermentation in your gut. I'm jet propelled at all times. (laughs) How many guys do you think that you have the privilege to slap? Somebody who's never tasted a commercial example. And this is how you know everything about this beer? Please, you don't. I think that's bullshit. (laughs) I think it's bullshit, too. Wow. Are you guys going to arm wrestle? No. No. We're going to teabag fight. You heard of Junkyard Wars? Can I get another high five? Now, live from the Brewing Network Studios in Northern California, this is the radio program for home brewers, craft brewers, beer lovers, and beer geeks. It's your only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers together with, well, expert drinkers. This is the radio program with a head on it. This is The Session. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's The Session. JP here along with Teresa. And we are joined by Adam and Andrew from Old Town Brewing in Portland, Oregon. Everybody, everybody at the same time, welcome to the show. I'm just going to welcome all three of you at the, same, <laughs> at the same time. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for joining us, guys. Thanks for, ha- thanks for having us. Of course. I'm uh, I'm cracking open a beer right now that you had sent, and uh, normally I don't start with the beers, but um, today has been, uh, as Wesley Willis would say, today's been a hell ride, so we're just going to start <laughs> with, we're gonna start with your Pilsner, we're going to talk around that, um, but Teresa, how are you? You know, I'm doing pretty well. Okay, good. Why? And I, I too, am starting with the beer um, because it has been one of those days for me as well. I don't know what it is about today, but it's just, uh, I don't know, man. It's one of those things. It could be man. because it's hump day. There's just like a lot of shit that's happened, a lot of shit still to come. Yeah. I mean, you know, I have a lot of anxiety and shit and like today just, I don't know, man, it's sort of like physically manifested today and it's just, it's been like just beating me over the head with a two by four and it's weird. It's a weird time, but uh, we have beer to get us through it. Yeah. And I I have a Pilsner as well. Hey, there we go. I want the same beer. (laughs) Cheers, man. Cheers. Cheers. Uh, All right. So Andrew, you are the brewmaster. Adam, you are the owner. Let me start with you, Adam. Have, did you have any homebrew experience in your past before you decided to to open a brewery or no i was more of a you know a craft beer fan and living in portland um you know it was a dream of mine 
but uh, definitely knew out of the gate that in Portland, if you're going to make beer, it better be good. And <laughs> luckily, we have Andrew who has done a really good job. <laughs> that is a fact, man. You can't. Uh, it's like going to Chicago and opening a pizza place that just sucks. That's exactly you, it. You yeah. can't do it, man. You can't do it. Absolutely not. You would get drummed out of the city in more ways than one over Chicago, I'm sure. So you were a, a Portland native? I uh, grew up in Eugene, Oregon, which isn't okay. too far away. Yeah. And then um, after college, moved to Portland what, 25 years ago. Okay, perfect. So you've pretty much seen the city grow around craft beer and... Oh, yeah. Yeah, sort of what that means. How's that, how's that uh, influenced your, your decisions with the brewery itself? Or, or has it? I mean, did you just open to make the best beer possible, or were you sort of trying to vibe with what everybody else is doing? You know, um, I think one of the things, our history has pizza. So, you know, back in the day, there were not a lot of uh, breweries in Portland when I first moved here. And I think Bridgeport was one of the first craft breweries in Portland that I went to. Okay. And they, yeah. you know, did a great job of having, uh, you know, a nice selection of, you know, of, of beer and they had great pizza. And it was, if you know the Pearl District, it was when mm-hmm. the Pearl District was just a warehouse district. And I remember that there was like a cat uh, food factory right next door. And nice. um, yeah, I just kind of like that just simple, um, you know, great beer, but also, you know, hearty pizza going side by side next to get to each other. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's a, it's a, it's a tested method. Absolutely. You know, and, uh, you know, I love Portland, man. It's one of those cities where I could, I could definitely, if I had to move there, I'd be like, oh, this isn't too bad. I really appreciate it. Everyone seems, uh, super weird. I was going to say really nice, but that doesn't really, uh, you know, you can say that about any city, but Portland's bizarre. Um, but the food and the beer scene are just always good. And of course the music and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's a cool, it's a cool spot for sure. But you're right. I mean, it, craft beer has proliferated here. It's just been really insane to just watch it grow from just a couple of i mean it started out where it just felt like there were a few big breweries or big brands Mm -hmm. and then just something happened where um portlanders really appreciated the small crap breweries and so you know i don't know i just felt like it was something special when the smaller you were the cooler you were um (laughs) and so we yeah we started out we have a seven barrel system so we definitely started out small wow yeah that's yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, the the smaller you are, the cooler you are. It's like just the same way in music. You know, where if you're unsigned, yeah. man, you're just like the hot new thing, but once someone likes you, you're just right. <laughs> we're just sort of fed up with you now, man. We're uh, we're over it. Uh all right, Andrew, what about you, man? Were you home brewing beforehand or or how did you fall in love oh, with uh, brewing beer? Long, 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 long time ago, yeah. It was one of those things probably back in the late 90s. Um well, I was still in college. One of my friends said, you know, it'd be cool someday just to make your own beer. And I never thought that you could do it. And I just like planted the seed for me. And uh, eventually I got a, that, that Christmas, I got a homebrew kit for uh, Christmas. That was my grif- uh, gift. And uh, that just kind of fed the fire for years to come. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that because I think we've all had that notion where like, wait, you can actually make beer? at home yeah, it, that's okay like we can do this that's weird man yeah it was it was one of those weird things of just like whoa yeah you can <laughs> you, you're allowed yeah you know, one of those things i remember having the um the one with my dad to pick up the the homebrew kit and i think we had to drive like over an hour to a homebrew store 
at oh, the God. time just to get it. Yeah. One of those things. <laughs> so it wasn't a Mr. Beer kit. It wasn't like one of those like, oh, I'm at, uh, you know, BevMo. I might as well pick up this with my wine yeah. hearts. Yeah. Yeah. This was, yeah, an actual homebrew store um, out in, oh, geez, where was that? Uh, would have been in Pittsburgh, like outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, years, okay. like a good hour drive north or something like that. I remember. Yeah, that's dedication. What was your first batch? Do you remember the style? Couldn't you tell you. No. Oh man. I remember. It wasn't no. infamous or famous, either one. Sure, I was able to drink it. How's that? <laughs> See, and that's good. That was sort of We're my just next happy question. That it works, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Well, why not? Because you know, I often wonder, like, how what the percentage of successful first batches there are to to not. Like, I couldn't drink my first six. They were just yeah. contaminated, and they just taste like dog water. It was just not good. I gave yeah, it I don't away think these people. things were anything great yeah. by any means. But I mean, it was just like your. I remember it was just the straight up extract kit. Yeah, you know, for one sure. Of those things, basically, <laughs> Mister Beer. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, I got you. So, how did you get involved in in wanting to make beer? Um, it was just something that uh, probably just grew with me for years and years. Um, was in uh, did engineering, so had the mechanical background. Then decided for grad school to do the chemistry side of things and then said, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> and uh, was talking with my cousin. He actually in high school had a, an exchange student come to stay with him. They became real good friends um, from Germany and uh, ended up he went to brewing school and I ended up talking mm. with him where he went and he kind of pointed me in the right direction of uh, UC Davis. Okay. Um, nice. So that was back in yeah, what 2005 or something like that, four or five. And then uh, I went through there, um, ended up talking with them um, to figure out what the best course was to go there. And being that I already, you know, went through undergrad, grad school, they're just like, just take the uh, diploma in brewing type thing course there, short course, because, you know, okay. you're just not going to gain anything and nobody's going to hire you you know, back when, you know, it, it, you know, 2005 timeframe when the craft beer industry was starting to go, but it wasn't like it is today with, you know, everybody doing all these, you know, new research things and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's just like, just do it, get in the industry. One of those things. And huh. it worked. Okay. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you think it's, it's easier now to find a job in craft beer coming out of school like that? I think it is. Um, because there have been more breweries that uh, are dedicated to more of the little bit of research. They want that background in uh, micro or engineering or you know even fermentation science, stuff like that. They, I feel they want those things more now than when, you know, like I said, early 2000, when it was just like, oh, um, you just got to, you know, learn by doing one of those things. And education kind of scared a lot of people, I found, trying to look for stuff there. Why? I don't know, but you know, <laughs> yeah. I, it did. <laughs> well, they were like, hey, you know, I've only, I've, I got my high school diploma, and here this yeah. guy has almost a PhD. <laughs> yeah. like, I can see that happening. I don't know. Yeah, but either way, ended up working. Um, and like I said, got into the industry, and it just one of those things that never looked back. Yeah, where'd you and land at? For, Where'd you Since, land out of school? Uh, oh, where'd I land at? Yeah. That was uh, Sam Adams out in Cincinnati, Ohio. Not bad. Not not a bad uh, place to, you know, start <laughs> learning on a, yeah. on a professional level, man. 
Yeah. What were you doing so over they, there? They uh, hired me in for uh, their uh, clear malt-based beverages, twisted teas, okay. stuff like that. So this is back when that kind of first started getting traction because uh, they had a lot of like, um, uh, they call it like the black box uh, uh, separation techniques, stuff like that. That, you know, you put like a, a high gravity barley wine, low hopped um, thing through it and comes out the other side tasting kind of like diluted vodka. One of those oh, things. Wow. What is that? So it was trying to get all that kind of stuff worked together. We were partnered with uh, Brown Foreman. And um, so they had like this proprietary technology to get that going. And we were trying to clean it up and make it run better and get better um, product out of it. So you can basically hide the flavor of everything a little bit easier you know back in the flavor malt beverage days <laughs> so it was like a still <laughs> it was like a like a, a distillation unit or or nah, not really like a distillation but more of like um filters i would call it okay uh it's called ionic separation so you're like stripping out a bunch of different uh like your uh fusel alcohol some of that stuff your color um, your uh, esters, things that you just didn't really want in this thing. Um, it was an uh, interesting thing, <laughs> but uh, you know, hey, it got me in the door. Yeah, it worked, and uh, I was there for a couple of years. Then they moved me up to Boston to the R and D uh, brewery there, and I got into the beer there. And by the time I left, I uh, um, was a brewing manager for their R and D system for or program for a while, and then. Uh, Worked Damn. on our Utopia stuff, uh, worked on installing new breweries, all that kind of fun stuff. And then kind of pulled the ripcord and said, I'm out of here and moved to Portland. <laughs> That's a long move, man. Were you a little bit like, uh, I don't know if jaded probably isn't the right word, but uh, you know, I, if, if I was going to brewing school and I wanted to make beer and then I landed at St. Adams and I was making twisted tea, I, I would think like something went wrong. But it sounds like you were just more interested in finding a place to then go somewhere was, else to learn. and Yeah, it was more finding yeah. a place that, yeah, finding a place that where I can get into somewhere and learn a lot. Yeah. That was kind of my thing on that. Okay. Um, yeah, they made, I mean, I still worked uh, hand, side by side with the brewing uh, division there as well. I was on our own separate team, but, um, you know, worked with the brewing side of stuff hand in hand. One of those. So it wasn't nice. like I was away from beer <laughs> no, you or were, anything like that. You yeah. weren't just known as the twisted tea guy. Yeah. You had other yeah. stuff to do. <laughs> okay. Well, honestly, there's some knowledge that you could use right now. I mean, we're all trying to make seltzers. I think you yep. probably know how to make seltzers better than the average uh the average brewer. I, I got I mean, a little bit of a background in that. Yeah. Not that not that I'm saying that you should make seltzer because all of us, you know, we all do, but we shouldn't. No. We really shouldn't. <laughs> I did learn a couple of things there. That's for sure. <laughs> Are you doing seltzers? You're doing some tinkering with some seltzers. Though. That was my uh, question. Okay. There you go. Uh, okay. I think anyone who listens to the show knows that I've gone to the dark side, so I won't yeah. like. That's right. I'm not trying to be proud or Teresa, exceptional here. Teresa makes seltzers now. I do make <laughs> seltzers. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, but we're not going to talk about seltzers. We want to talk about your pilsner. Yeah. To me, one of those things is like it doesn't matter what you make as long as people are buying it, right? You know, as long as you enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you can always find a good beer. Well, and and yeah, I mean, it's just it's one of those things that checks the box for some people that either they totally avoid beer for, you know, gluten reasons or mm -hmm. health reasons or taste reasons. You know, it's yeah. it's something breweries can do. So we 
can appease those people. So yep, I'm good with that. Yeah, well, and Ish. I. I th- I think you know when when craft beer was sort of growing and and to get attention, uh you know uh like what we were talking about a little bit before Adam about uh, <clears throat> you know watching the the craft industry grow and sort of take hold and if you're small you sort you you sort of seem to be cooler um, I think to I don't know sort of create that coolness you have to to focus to hyper focus even on on the certain types of products that we make these products and we make them better than anybody else. And if you don't make anything else, you're sort of weird. And I think mm-hmm. like now breweries are maybe breaking that mold by doing hazy IPAs, by doing seltzers, by doing these, these beers that I don't think that would have really gone anywhere 10 years ago. Well, I think one of the big things that we saw was hazy IPAs. Yeah. So at first a lot of breweries in Portland, you know, they just, you know, certain brewers were like, I'm never going to make a hazy IPA. And then pretty soon more and more beer drinkers were drinking hazies. And so you had to make a choice, you know, you you can keep jobs in your brewery, you can grow, um, you can take some pride in saying, okay, I'm going to make a hazy IPA, but I'm going to make it better than anyone else around. Um, And so I I feel like one of the things we were one of the earlier uh, breweries to do a hazy. And I think we were really glad because you don't want to be the last brewery that decided <laughs> finally we're going to make a hazy IPA. Right. <laughs> and probably seltzers will be the same way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Could be the same way with, with seltzers. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, maybe. That, that's a good, that's a good point. You either, you either make what the customers want or you, or you're, I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say you're done because it obviously it, it depends on what's up regionally and if you can survive without doing hazies and that's fine too. But it, it it's almost one of those, like, uh, you know, I, I closed my business to own the libs kind of a thing. <laughs> like I'm never going to brew a hazy. <laughs> yeah. So and no one came here. One thing. Yeah. Uh, COVID taught us was, um, I mean, for a lot of breweries, you know, some here in town were 70% draft. So if you're being very selective on the beers that you make and all of a sudden 70% of your revenue is down or maybe you're 50% draft, that has the possibility of imploding your entire business, all the people that you care about, care about work for you. For- um, so, uh, you know, when we started getting busy again, um, because, you know, we lost our draft sales, but our, our can sales picked up the brewers were really happy to be busy because that meant that's job security. Yeah. So in times like this, yeah. sometimes you it's, it's really keeping the lights on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, let's talk about this Pilsner here real fast because, you know, we're, we're getting into COVID times, which of course, you know, we're, we're still in, but I do want to talk to you guys about, about how you've survived that and what you've been doing. But uh, let's talk about Pilsner. So it is it is rare, exceedingly rare, I think, to find a brewery who does pilsners. Um, even though we've had like five of them on the last you know <laughs> four months, which is great for me. Um, it's because we selectively pick pilsner style breweries. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. Little known fact: <laughs> we look at your tap list online. If you don't have any pilsner on, you must have pilsner. Yeah, you're yes. not. Uh, tell me a little about the about the pilsner. Sure. I mean, it's um, something that uh, actually kind of. Um, I've always liked Pilsners. Um, they've been one of my favorite styles for years and years and years. And I would say, what, about four years ago, something like that, we got to have my first kid. And my wife really wanted uh, to brew. You know, we weren't doing lagers at the brewery. 
and uh, my wife really wanted to have a Pilsner, mm. one of those for after um, birth of a kid. So came up with uh, a very, very, very similar version to um, this Pilsner. I mean, it's been slightly changed a little bit, but that was basically the inspiration for this beer um, using uh, noble hops, uh, kind of that pre-prohibition style where it's, you know, a little bit more hop forward, dry yeah. hop with it, um, lower alcohol, of course, but very uh, noble-esque. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What's, what's the uh, the grain bill on this? Uh, this one, uh, a lot of Bohemian uh, Pilsner floor malt mm-hmm. from Vireman. Okay. Um, trying to think what else. And I think just uh, some plain two-row mixed in it, too. Okay. All right. Pretty yeah. simple. There is a um, like a malty sweetness to it that I thought maybe there was, you know, there was some additional, uh, you know, whatever. No, the the uh, Vireman uh, Bohemian Floor Malted, I've done beers with those off and on. That just provides this extra little bit of sweetness that I found that just goes really well for these beers. Yeah. <clears throat> no, it's great. Hey, I, Andrew, would you say this is your favorite beer that you, I think, I get the sense that he's most proud of this one, um, and he's probably too modest to say, but he uh, achieved uh, a gold at the World Beer Cup with this beer, and oh, then wow. at the very latest Great American Beer Festival, a um, a bronze for uh, American Pilsner. Wow. Congrats, man. Yeah. Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah, he seems too modest. I'm glad that you right, brought that right, up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> just, there's no facial expression change, no nothing. Just yeah. It's like he's frozen. He's like, well, I don't know, man. Whatever. It's fine. Who yeah. cares? Yeah. It's a beer. <laughs> it's a beer. Yeah. Um, there is a nice uh, sulfur note coming through, too. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about that on a couple of the shows with, with you know, breweries with Pilsners. There is a, a sulfur component that it's to style, but I think it sort of adds like a... I don't know. This is my dumb beer drinker opinion, but it's almost like an air of like um, authenticity or whatever, yeah. you know, yeah. where it's I was like, just about to say authenticity. Yeah. Like, I, I it should, it should be there. Yeah, because it, should be there. it shouldn't be yeah. too yeah. clean. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This sort of is like... It's, that's, I mean, that's a lager. You yeah. kind of expect it. Yeah, it's almost like a, a flaw that's, that's there for a reason, mm-hmm. I guess. I mean, like hazy IPA, but I don't know. I mean... <laughs> It's not a bug; it's a feature. That's right. No, I really like this beer. It is there is a very crisp, um, you know, aggressive, uh, you know, hop bitterness, hop flavor as well. But it very much matches with that that malt sweetness, and like I said, just that little sulfur note sort of actually rounds everything out, and I think it sort of enhances the sweetness a little bit too. Mm-hmm. It sort of goes hand in hand with like that malt, and I don't know anything more than that on why <laughs> on why that is. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you know, it's very good. In my mind, sometimes it doesn't really matter as long as you like it. <laughs> you know, you either yeah. you like it or you don't. Yeah, I I definitely get caught up in that in that sort of like you know merry-go-round of like uh, you know analyzing beer and finding out why this tastes this way or whatever. It's that home brewer sort of you know session, the radio show kind of thing too. I used to, I used too, to but. do that for so long, and then I just got to the point. Something just clicked in my mind. I'm like, it's just beer. Do yeah. I enjoy it or don't I? You right. Know, one of those things. And I can still go back and, you know, analyze everything and go through that. But uh, I remember my mom just um, drinking beers with her. And I used to do that all the time. She's just like, can't you just enjoy the damn beer? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, no. <laughs> no, I guess not. You're, yeah. so, you're so right, though, because 
I mean, the more you know about beer, you start to go down this rabbit hole of analyzing everything and overanalyzing it. And mm-hmm. so you become this spectacular beer snob and you can't just enjoy a beer because yeah. you're always like trying to pick it apart. And it's, it's an important thing to remember. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you've been in the beer industry longer than any of us. So like, that's good advice for someone who's been doing this a long time. Yeah. It's like, you got to know how to do it and you got to know when to do it, but most yeah. of the time, if you're just but having then a beer, turn it just off. enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. And that's the hard part is, is turning it off, especially, you know, folks, you know, in the beer industry, it, it's, it's a challenge, it's a challenge, it's but a challenge, yeah. it is sort of this thing that, that is, has been reoccurring lately, six months or whatever on this show specifically, where brewers from all over the country have been sort of saying that, where it's like, this is just a beer to enjoy, or that's what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to like, you know, shift the paradigm on what a uh, Hellas is or whatever. I just mm-hmm. want to make a beer that you don't think about. And there's something to be said for that. Mm-hmm. I think this is one of those beers, man. It's, uh, you know, un- unfortunately, I, I have to sit here and like try to figure out how to describe it. But if I was just getting this, just a pint of this somewhere um, in Portland, man, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think twice about it. It's that good. Which maybe used to be like <laughs> not really a compliment. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> it's like one of those things. I don't know, it's man. Like one of the, my my goal with basically any beer for you know you want to do is like. You're just making a, a standard, you know, IPA or pills or whatever you want to call it. Want to make it where it's just like you drink it and you don't realize you drank the whole beer, and you're like, "Whoa, that was what happened." You know, one of those things. You know, it's just that enjoyable, yeah. pleasurable experience. And like, if you're having, you know, with pizza or just even with dinner, or just with friends, and all of a sudden you just you look and go, "Whoa, where to go?" You know, yeah. one of those things. Yeah, uh, I'll take another. <laughs> <laughs> Do you find it challenging? That's my goal. <laughs> Do you find it challenging in a town like Portland, which has so much good beer and a lot of loggers, to to you know sort of carve out a space for a pilsner? I I would say yeah. Yeah. And in my mind, it's like yeah, people know that they're out there. They people know that they like them. I feel like a lot of people just don't know which ones they like better than others. Hmm. Um. So it's always one of those things. Oh, yeah, I have a Pilsner or something like that. But they don't know who's the search out in my mind. Do you think there's too many? I don't think there's too many. Hmm. I mean, it's always been talk of, you know, this is the year of the lager. The Pilsner's coming, you know, one of those things. And of all honesty, I've been waiting for five years and saying it for five years. And, you know, (laughs) Pilsner's (laughs) rock, dude. Hazy IPAs and IPAs are still winning, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I think the Brute IPA sort of sort of shifted all of that. The Brute IPA came out of nowhere, knocked Pilsner off its course, and then mm. and then Hazy IPA, you know, took over from there. Yeah, I would I would agree with you on that. <laughs> that's, yeah, my, true. that's my timeline. <laughs> um, all right, let's take a quick break. I'm going to go grab two more beers, and we're going to come back and talk with the boys from Old Town Brewing. Hang on, everybody. It's the session. We'll be right back. Tuned into the session. Because life's too short 
everybody for hanging around we have old town brewing on the session here today and i'm about to crack open um i guess the american red ale you guys uh paulie's not irish who's paulie and why isn't he irish i feel like he should be <laughs> yes yeah, so paulie was uh one of our early bartenders okay and he was a scotsman uh, okay and everyone would say oh i love your irish accent <laughs> and i guess you don't tell a scotsman they sound like someone from ireland so that would make him pretty grumpy so when we uh first created our red we uh we named it paulie's not irish red i like it (laughs) yeah i feel like yeah you don't call a scotsman big story yeah it's a good story (laughs) you don't call a scotsman irish and you don't call an irishman uh english (laughs) i feel like those are just two good good ways to get into fights uh, American Red Ale, yeah. Uh, not yeah. see. This is what I like already about you guys because not many breweries make a red ale anymore, and I don't know why. I think it's a great style. It's severely underrated as a style, um, and so this is a five point. Yeah, it's five point six, dude. Come on, that's easy. That's great. So yeah, it, is it a not Irish red ale or American red ale? It's American. Red ale. Oh. It's an American red. American red. <laughs> oh, American red, yeah. red ale. So a little, a little hoppier. A little bit hoppier. Yeah, I want to say it's in the mid thirties for the bitterness, something like that. Yeah, can so is, it, is it using like a cascade oh, yeah. sort of hop, or is it oh. more just bittering? Uh, I want to say it's pearl and hood. That's right. Oh, cool. wow! Look at you, Andrew. You really are the brewer there. Yeah. Andrew, once again kicked butt with this beer he he got a bronze at uh gabf uh last year past year so well we were, dan 2000 we worked there at the stadium because we couldn't but we were all cheering yeah. at the brewery that's great man yeah you got uh 2014 for the world beer cup bronze and then uh, a couple of them for the best of craft beer and then gabf i love it yeah this yeah. is just, this is solid man this is very good it's not like Overly sort of caramel, overly you know roasty, like some American mm-hmm. Reds can be. It is a light touch with that, but it it's sort of it's not sort of it's it's drier at the end. So it, it definitely cleans up a lot better than some other uh, red ales that I've had too. So to me, this is a very easy drinking, slightly roasty um, American red ale. Can you tell me the the grain bill a little bit? Uh, caramel. <laughs> You're like, what do I know? I don't know, dude. I'm just sitting in my office chair. I don't know. <laughs> See, this is where I'll spray and say, this is why we have recipes, so I don't have to remember all of it. Wow. You're, you're like, I'm done doing homework, dude? I didn't yeah, study for this? I mean, it's it, it probably just some, I want to say it was like um, uh, base Turo, some Caramel 60, and maybe yep. some like uh, Simpsons Dark Ex- Crystal. Or extra Dark like Crystal. That. Yeah. Extra Dark. Yeah, that's it. Look at you. See? Don't tell me you don't know. You know exactly what's going on. Yeah, I like it. How does this sell? Do people like it? I was going to say, surprisingly, over the past, oh, two months, I feel like this one has been on fire. Really? Why do you think that is? Yeah, I have no idea. (laughs) No clue, but hey. It's like one of those things. I think some of it is because... There are really no red ales in Portland. That's what I was going to say. There's just and, people have kind of left the red market. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Every time we brew a red ale, we're in Sacramento area and it just blows up. Like it, it's gone so fast. Yeah. I would say I'm probably doing now on this thing. I mean, it's not tremendous amount of volume, but I mean, it's probably doing almost four brews a month of it. Something like that. Wow. That's a lot. That's right? a really a lot. Yeah. I don't know why I'm like so shocked about that. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I like a distributor or something. Excited. It's not, it's not shock. It's like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it is sort of like, like we're reclaiming the just classic styles or, you know what yeah. I mean? Like we don't have to re, we don't yeah. have to invent new styles to, to, to explain what we're doing. We're sort of like bringing, you know, bringing sexy back or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> What do you mean? It never the, left. <laughs> That's true. So the way you guys are are talking about this, it sounds like you're you have like a set list of beers or pretty well set, and you brew them all, over time and for a long time. Is, does is that correct? That yeah. is so wonderful because I mean that's one of the things that I've really been hoping that people would get back to is like really trying to perfect a style, and it sounds like you know that's that's something you guys have really done as opposed yeah, to just because brewing new oh, things over and over again yeah i yeah. think that that's kind of what we saw for a while that trend of you had to have something new and mm -hmm. you know um you know hearing and reading stories about you know brewers that when you do it that way it's about 80 percent of what you want you never brew it exactly the way you want the beer to taste and when you have a, a tried and true beer style that you go back to a flagship you are able to really hone it in. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder how much of that is is untapped influence of you have to have something new constantly. You know, it's, I, I don't know. I don't. Mm. I don't really think it's untapped. I think it just got mm. to be this like game with consumers that breweries think that they have to make something different every time for people to be interested. Yeah, because I, I would kind of agree on that. Okay, because I Instagram. Instagram, Instagram. you got to have a photo of okay. something new that nobody's ever seen before and invest a lot of money in photography and, and label art. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Eye candy. Well, cause I mean, I've, yeah. I've, I've heard, I've heard it from, from the brewer side before, uh, you know, a few years ago where it's people are coming in and going, what do you have new? What do you have new? And, and in my mind, I just equated it to, well, why does anybody really care if they've never been to this place or whatever, um, I would think it would just be, you know, sites like Untapped where you have to get the game, you have to get the badge or whatever it is, right? Uh, but, you know, I'm happy to be, you know, wrong, I guess. I've been wrong once well, before, Teresa, and it's, it wasn't any fun. Just that one time. Yeah. You know, we wouldn't let you forget it. I don't so want to talk about it. Stung quite yeah. a bit. Yeah. I think COVID has also changed things a little bit because people are going to the grocery store and they've decided, I like this particular beer, whatever it might be, and they just are stocking up on that beer. Um, Versus going out and about because yeah. they can't go out and about and try different styles. <laughs> I'm definitely in that in that camp. I basically buy Sierra Nevada or Coors at the grocery store, and that's it. I mean, we're way out here in East County where there's like no craft beer representation really at the supermarket, so it's that's just what I can get that tastes good. But um, we also don't have many many breweries around here too. But uh, the few times I do go out, I try to like pick up beers. Um, for, you know, like pickups, like um, curbside, you know, whatever, right? And you guys started something like that too for COVID, right? Didn't you have like a drive-through brewer's market or something? Yeah. What so, was that uh, about? 
that was uh we all got together in the brewery and we were just i mean it was so tragic you know in the beginning and there was a complete lockdown and so we were seeing some different success like there was this strip club in portland they got national news because they did a drive-through strip club and so one of the things we're, we're going okay what what really is working well drive-throughs are working yeah and uh we had just read about all of these beer festivals like oregon brewers fest being canceled and people was this pent up ah oh, i just really want to support my local brewery but i don't know how and so we came up with this idea kind of a mashup mm-hmm. which is essentially a drive-through um you know beer festival so we invited every weekend um seven breweries so there were eight of us all together and people would come to the parking lot and they would drive through um and we had tents set up for each brewery so that you could keep your safe distance and while they were driving through they would roll down their windows and ask questions if they wanted to about beers um they also it also gave a chance for the community to engage with you know breweries and so there was a lot of just Hey, I'm driving through and, you know, I support you guys and I want to help you guys oh, out and, nice. you know, hawking their horn. Um, That's cool. And while they were going through the drive through, we had an online store. So through their phones, they would just basically order the beer that they wanted to. And um, when they got to the end of the whole uh, drive through Brewers Market line, mm-hmm. we'd hit their checkout button and pay. And inside, we had a whole team of people and a ticket would print and then we would have people like running and putting together the package of beers. Wow. And so we were able to support um, seven breweries every weekend and people could go to one place and buy, you know, well, each brewery had three different selections that they could choose from. So you just had a, three choices from seven, uh, eight breweries, um, 24 different beer possibilities. And it ended up being just this, um, such a positive, energetic, heartwarming experience. Um, yeah. It's probably one of the, the best feelings that I've had during this whole COVID. Um, <laughs> yeah. Mess. Yeah. That's cool, man. That must've been logistically just sort of terrifying, at least for the first one. That's exactly it. The first one was the busiest of course. Right. Yeah. And there are certain things that you just don't foresee. So we had a couple of like glitches, um, but everyone was really patient. Um, and you know, we were sweating, running and putting the, the beer together and running it out to the car. But uh, yeah, it worked out super well. And, um, I mean, I still hear great stories from people that came and really enjoyed it. That's cool. Is it still going on? You know, um, when things reopened, it kind of lost its appeal because people could go inside. Um, but, but, uh, you know, if we need to bring it back just once a year, just to commemorate, um, you know, (laughs) what we all went through together. um, Yeah. Yeah. You should do like a brewer's market brew fest. That sounds amazing. Yeah. We were kind of, we've been talking about maybe doing that once a year. Yeah. That's a good idea. That's so cool. I personally like, you know, especially because there are so many brewers in Portland and and Portland is, you know, fairly big uh, for me. It's, I, I sort of appreciate being able to go to one place to try different beers from around the city. I think it's, I mean, it's a cool idea. It's probably not very viable to like continue on staff and do all this kind of stuff. And it's probably logistically terrible for everybody involved when things are open and they can just serve their community over across their bar. But there, I think there's something to be said for like a, I mean, look, it's a drive through liquor store for, <laughs> for a select clientele. It is, but it's, 
it's totally not at the same time. Like right. people get like what goes into a brewery and it has a totally different like feeling and to just to be able to support that when you can't support it by being there with your family. Like that's, yeah. that's huge. That's super cool. Like for me, it was, go ahead. Oh, it was also just really great because in, in a lot of towns, brewers are celebrities, right? Yeah. And they want to see their favorite brewer. And so the brewers were there in the tent. So maybe they weren't right next to them, but they could just show their appreciation to the brewer and the breweries. Um, and that made, you know, everybody feel good. Did you, did you Absolutely. put Andrew out there on a stool, like show him off or? He's really shy, yeah. but he, he was there. He was there. Right. He was in the back. He's more of a warehouse guy. He wanted to, you know, pack things up and, and take it out to the cars. Yeah, dude. Absolutely. Me too. I wouldn't want to. Well, actually, I would want to sit out there. <laughs> but, <laughs> mainly because you don't have to do anything at that point. You just stand there and you go like this. You're welcome. Oh, I had a waves. real good time. Yeah. The local talent. <laughs> yeah. And you're talking about Play-Doh or whatever. He's like, all right, yeah, it's, I don't know, 14 Play-Doh. Bye. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for your help. How much people dripping over. See, you combined that with the strip club. So why people are waiting. Oh, my God. They get a hood dance there or a trunk go. dance or whatever. Co- <laughs> you know, They have a VIP tent, like those car tents you can drive through. You you might have to have two lines, actually, because <laughs> yeah. like, some people <laughs> only want like, half you can, you can offer two <laughs> lines okay, if they lines. want. If they want to pay more, they can have a couple lines. Oh, yeah. lines of cars. Yeah, lines of cars. Like oh. you're not gonna take uh, you're not gonna take your wife and kids or your husband yeah. and kids through. Sure. You know you have to you have to choose your line. You like, do have to choose, choose your, your line. adventure. That's true. <laughs> There's a cover charge. There's a steep cover charge. Yeah. Oh, exactly. I mean, yeah, that you might not be prepared for. So <laughs> That's you true. Got to go through the right line. Uh, Stay in your lane. Yeah, you got to do it. Okay, I'm opening the hazy IPA. Pillow Fist. Pillow Fist. Tell me about there the, is a good hazy name. Yeah, tell me about the awesome. name first of all, and then we'll get into the beer a little bit. Um, Adam, so, how did that one come up? <laughs> so uh, that one was uh, Joe, and I think it was um, Steve. Basically, the idea was that it was supposed to be the softest punch in the mouth that you've ever received. So you know, you have the you have the you know the hops. Um, and the bitterness, because our style, the way that we make this hazy IPA is a lot more bitter than the um, East Coast style. So it, it fits our market more. Um, but it, we wanted it to be soft and pillowy. So that's that's essentially where the, the name came from. And it's definitely memorable. People remember the name and laugh about it. It's a good name. <laughs> it's a high quality name for sure. And this is by far our biggest seller. Shocker, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's so surprising to me. Not really. <laughs> so can I ask you something about your your logo? It's got this little jumping deer. I, yeah. What does that mean? Where does it come from? Uh-oh, so, here we go. <laughs> uh, there's a big story behind this. Oh, good. Um, so when we started out as a brewery, one of the designers um, had come up with a logo. And the logo is very similar to what is a very recognizable sign in Portland and it's an old historic sign um, uh, that was started by a um, clothing company and so I thought well I better talk to an attorney about this so (laughs) it turned out that trademarks are based on product categories and no one had trademarked the symbol for beer and alcohol so we trademarked it 
and um you know went through all the process and put it on all our, all of our labels and then we ended up being when you when you've had a trademark for more than five years it becomes incontestable mm. um the short story is um we saw some things going on when we spoke to the city and the, the city of portland um was trying to get our logo back from us and then um license it to uh anheuser-busch really that sounds perfect i don't know yeah <laughs> sounds like something you guys and want to do yeah so it turned into a big thing we were trying to work it out and then just we were spending so much money on legal fees that it was it was going to take us under so we went public and the support from the community was unbelievable. Um, people held a, uh, you know, a rally for us. Uh, Reverend Nat, who's, you know, owns a cider, mm-hmm. uh, cidery here in Portland. Um, Rogue banned the mayor and all of the attorneys that work for the city until <laughs> they left a, us alone. Um, that's such a rogue this, thing to do, too. Yeah. I mean, they were <laughs> that's awesome. amazing. And then it just, but it, it still was you know, going forward and going forward. And then finally sure. just it, the noise got so big, it made national news and, um, you know, we worked it out and we got our logo, you know, I wouldn't say back, but we were able to keep our logo and not go under. So it was a really for, for us, just the community that stood behind us. Um, was, was just, it was just awesome. I remember and, uh, we, we uh, covered this story a few times. I mean, it was, you know, months and months going on, but yeah, we talked mm-hmm. about it for sure. And, uh, yeah, it was weird. So if I remember correctly, it was something like, like the, the city just wanted to use it, just start using it, even though you had, you had the trademark and, right. and then they sued you for it. So, I mean, how does that, how does that feel when like the city that you operate in just wants to take you to court over the thing that you have rights to? Cause they tried a couple times to, to get issued a trademark on it. Right. And they were rejected three or four times yeah. by the trademark office, but they kept trying and we kept having to then defend ourselves. Um, I thought that I must not be explaining this correctly when I was talking to the city officials and the attorney, like, don't you guys see that this is wrong? And um, eventually, you know, I couldn't make any headway, but the community made headway. Yeah. And um, it was, yeah, it was a, it was a head scratcher, but it ended well. And um, you know, Luckily, we didn't break the bank um, doing it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so do you think it was just because big beer was in their in their ear trying to like get this done? Yeah, they told told us that they were offered. I think it was twenty five thousand dollars for the rights to put it on um, Budweiser products. That's um, that's it's such, such like nothing money isn't that to like Budweiser extortion like, or not extortion. Uh, corruption <laughs> but it sounds like to me that doesn't make any sense yeah um and yeah it was uh it was, yeah it was stressful it was stressful for us because it at some point That's it's your brand budget. um but do you do you just drop it because um you know the city had a team of 25 attorneys in a law firm on hire and you know it was just nothing that yeah. we could af- afford to keep up with wow so um it was it got to a really bad place and then it just was great and we were just relieved man well, well good that's for cool. you guys that you you know i mean and i can imagine like once the community heard about your need like that they would come to your rescue and that's well, really and good that's, that's craft beer you know we're all competing in the same space um but when there's a crisis and someone is you know 
in a tough situation, um, everyone bands together. And, you know, we had 14 different breweries at our uh, at the rally that they put together for us, all just doing whatever they could to, to help, you know, get attention. And, and then Rogue just going public like they did. Um, and that, that may have been the game changer right there. Wow. I can't imagine, like, number one, being a business in a city that is actively suing you with, you know, presumably you know your tax money (laughs) and then and then then being that city or a city official like leading this charge to to take away what's legally yours and then seeing the city just sort of have a fund have a rally to fight you i don't know i just i feel like that's that's just a weird man what a weird I don't know what a weird place for Portland for the city to be in. I mean, especially because yeah, no kidding. They get so much tourism from from beer. Like, why don't I don't know? It's weird, but I'm glad it's over for you guys. Yeah, that's crazy. It it ended well. Yeah, that sounds and like when it. we and we put the registered trademark symbol on every logo, making sure that it's there, so everybody knows that we have a trademark. <laughs> Very good, man. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's almost like, you know, look, that sign's been up in Portland forever. Like, why didn't they? They should have tried harder. You know, they should have done it earlier. <laughs> it's one of those things where you go like, well, we, we messed up. We should have done this first, and they did, so maybe they, they should have approached you for licensing. I don't know, but even then, whatever. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah, I mean, that would have been a different story. Andrew, let's talk about this uh, hazy IPA, man. How do you how do you achieve the haziness? Is it a yeast-driven thing, or is it a mold? It's a yeast-driven thing. We okay. got um, oats in this one and uh mainly the yeast okay um it's a uh, english style that for some reason i don't know i mean i never really looked into it a whole lot i read some on it but in general this strain of yeast it like every time that it just interacts with the hops yeah it just stays in suspension okay i don't get it (laughs) and you're a science guy yeah (laughs) It was one of those things of like I, I started looking into it and then I'm like, yeah, it works. Let's roll with it. People like it. <laughs> I feel like like Andrew's just like a, I don't know, maybe like a nihilistic brewer. He's like, I don't know. Look, I know enough to do the thing and I don't I just don't care enough anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it works. That's fine. That's all I need to know. Uh, yes and no. It yeah, tastes good and things. that's you know, because you sort of can get lost in the weeds, man. You know, there's I've had beers from brewers that are just like so in the weeds with the science that it's almost like overcomplicated. Yeah. You know, and you don't want that. You definitely want to find yeah, a line between the science and just reality. Mm-hmm. I definitely don't want that overcomplicated. My life's no. complicated enough. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> something to enjoy. Yeah. But this, and you were talking this, it's a little more bitter than, than like the East Coast beers. And it's definitely, yeah. uh, you know, a more a firm bitterness in, in hazies that, I, that I've had too. Um, yeah. Is that, you know, just because that's what you like, or it, yeah, that's kind of what the uh, the market here really wanted. Okay, yeah. So I mean, it's you know, it is what it is in my mind, but people really like it, and it's one of those things. If I were to drink more of it, I definitely want to lower the bitterness on it. But it sells; people like it. I'm not going to mess with it. That's good. Yeah. Um, sort of akin to the Pilsner question is: Do you? Do you find it tough or do you care about finding a niche in the hazy market in Portland? I mean, it's your number one seller, so maybe it doesn't really matter. It, when you went to when you went to brew the beer for the first time, was it like, hey, I don't know, there's like a million of these things out here. Who's going to 
whatever? Or did those thoughts sort of enter you guys' mind at all? Where yeah, you just- definitely did. It's it's one of those things that like, you know, there's more and more coming in the market. So why are they going to choose ours over somebody else's? Mm-hmm. And, you know, picking the hops that are in it, the, you know, your standard Citra Mosaic, um, really pushing those forward. I mean, those are the two that people really, really enjoy, um, especially out here. So just like, okay, well, that can kind of set us apart, you know, make sure those are in there. Um, then just drive it home and it just got in front of the enough people that they really enjoyed it. And, you know, they told their friends who told their friends and just happens. things worked out. Yeah. <laughs> it just happens, man. Very good. Very good, man. That's very, uh, it's, it's, it is like a cloudy West coast IPA. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it was, it would be hard for me if I tasted that blind to know that it was a hazy. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if well, I think I, don't know if that's a lot of the, I think a lot of what makes, hazy beers not so drinkable is that that like really pillowy malt plus like not a lot of bitterness so it comes off a little too sweet and then it just becomes not so drinkable like i i really advocate for a little more bitterness in these beers because otherwise they're like you know they get flabby that's the way i put it (laughs) it's like a little too flabby I'm kind of with you on that. And that's why I mainly just stick with, if I'm doing an IPA, just a straight American clear IPA. One of those things. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know what I'm getting into. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A- amen to you, brother. Like, I wish I wish we could influence the world a little yeah, more. <laughs> but, <hey. laughs> you know? What are you going to do, that's man? what people want to drink. Let them drink it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's you know, and I do sort of appreciate. I mean, although there's a, a space for them, like the the you know traditional juicy sort of like overly sweet, overly tropical uh, beers, but I feel like the hazy category maybe is shifting away from those and sort of going to something like this, where there is still a bitterness because at the heart of it, people want an IPA, and this sort of differentiates it between you know these. These are just like drinking feathers or whatever, right? Like pillow, pillow <laughs> fist, right? Yeah. Um, so there is, I don't know, man. I, I feel like, I feel like the, the, the style sort of shifting with like uh, leaning a little bit more towards having some more firm bitters than it has had in the past. I, uh, like this. I can see that. Yeah. I mean, what do I know though? I don't, you know, I don't know anything, but I do know that we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and I have two more beers. They're both IPAs. And so we're going to drink those side by side and talk about those, talk about IPAs a little bit, and then uh, we'll wrap things up. Everybody, hang on. It's the session. We'll be right back. Segmented, demented, fermented, fermented. It's the session. Thanks, everybody, for sticking around Old Town Brewing. About to crack open a couple of IPAs. Now I have just the normal IPA, which is just called IPA, and then I have Shanghai IPA. So which is uh, which is first? Which should I open first, or does it matter? Well, Maybe yeah. you decide. I was going to say it doesn't really matter. The okay. IPA or whatever is just more of the uh, fruity, you know, like your El Dorado hop. IPA and then Shanghai is more of the your classic um, IPA from you know kind of like the late nineties, more of an English style. Okay, well let's let's just do the the <laughs> regular. I don't know, <laughs> whatever the unleaded called. version. There we go. Yeah. And the funniest thing is that the regular 
the flagship IPA, just the IPA, yeah, is our newest beer. Oh, really? And so, yeah, we we were working really hard on it. Um, we wanted something that was really just like a crushable IPA. It was easy to drink. You know, there's so many IPAs where you have one and then you're done. And um, we serve pizza, so with pizza, you know, it could fill you up. And so, you know, Andrew and I were talking about something that had, you know, some of the modern hops, that juiciness that people are drinking now. Yeah. Um, but something that was really sessionable. And so, uh, and it's very different when you take this taste of Shanghai. They're both IPAs, but they are in different worlds, I think. <laughs> okay. Well, that's sort of, sort of why I wanted to save them for last um, to do side by side because, uh, you know, drinking two of the same style that obviously they have to be very different. Uh, so this is 6.1%. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's, you know, on the sessionable scale <laughs> of, uh, of what IPAs are these days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, 50 IBU, Citra, Eldorado, and Amarillo. Oh, yum. It is very crisp. Yeah. That's pretty good, man. I like that. That's not too bad. And you know, the, um, you got a little C15 in there, it says, and some Pilsner malt too. What do you mm-hmm. what do you find you get between so you guys, uh, mixing that? Uh, just do you guys like to do your IPAs bit. with a little um, like sugar to dry it out to make it less yeah. malty, or do you kind of stay away? From I've that? done that before. Um, I've toyed back and forth, back and with, forth it, with it, and it. sometimes it just didn't. It made it too dry for me, so always wanted something with a little bit more malt backbone, but not like a real malty flavor. So, which is kind of why I was throwing like the Pilsner malt in it just to get that little bit lighter character in it, but still have the bitterness to not overpower you. So, yeah, yeah it's like I, I haven't done it with sugar and I find they it just, I haven't found the right ratio for it yet. I guess that's how <laughs> I should preface it. I don't mind them with it by any means, mm-hmm. but I found with a lot of the ones that I've done, I just end up getting a little bit too dry with it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I can definitely see this working with pizza because there's a very, very firm bitterness and it sort of lasts a long time. And you know, I would think that that would really cut some grease, uh, some cheesy grease. You know what I mean? Pepperoni. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, yeah. you got to cut that pepperoni. So, how does this one uh, do in your flagship of uh, of, of IPAs? As far as uh, volume sales, yeah. yeah, popularity, whatever. It's so new. This is the one we're trying to grow the most. Okay. So it's getting some traction, um, s- slowly getting into some you know chain stores. But uh, yeah, and it, it's frankly the toughest style to get tr- traction in. Like, oh we're God. really excited about it, yeah. but you know to convince a beer buyer, hey, I got another IPA for you. <laughs> how in do you, Portland, Oregon? How do you do that? How do you get a new IPA on the market in in Portland? call it a pill. You try every which way you can. You try to get the right people to taste it. Um, I think everybody's a little bit different. Some people think social media is the way to do it. Mm-hmm. Untapped, you guys talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it's just luck. The right people drink it. Um, you know, awards can help too. You know, so you end up getting a medal for the great, at the Great American Beer Festival for American IPA. All of a sudden, boom. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. there's not one path. Um, and I think we're just trying, tr- trying right now to get it in front of the right, the right people. Everybody. <laughs> You're probably yeah, trying everybody. everybody. Right, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Drink it. 
man. You know, you mentioned man, we just put that one out. I want to say that was what this, just this past fall. Yeah, it's that. Oh, new. it's a baby. It's that mm-hmm. new. Hell yeah! Wow. Okay. And uh, <laughs> people are receptive to it. I mean, it, so even I can't imagine number one trying to do an, a new IPA in Portland, but then also during COVID. I mean, but it sounds like you were confident enough in your sales or sales are, are, are stable enough where you can go ahead and just sort of, I don't say business as usual, but put a new product out. The, we're able to launch a beer in our pubs, okay. and that was really tough to do. Um, the brewer's market helped. We sold some through the brewer's market. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, as an example, we had a beer buyer for, you know, one of the big chains t- taste didn't really like it and put, and put it in there. So that, you know with some of the bigger stores, the one thing that it does is it's advertising. So you hope people will try it. Um, but if anything, they just see it there. So it reminds them, Hmm, if I see that again, maybe I'll get it the next time. Yeah. That brand recognition is sort of, that's hard to trace. Yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay. Shanghai. What's with the name. And, uh, while I crack this beer open, if you wouldn't mind, uh, telling me a little bit about Shanghai. Yeah. So, our original location is in downtown Portland, and uh, it's in the second oldest building in the city. And um, in Portland, there are underground tunnels. Uh, they're called the Shanghai Tunnels. And uh, rumor has it that there used to be opium dens and prostitution and all kinds of things going on down there. Uh, there, uh, there were bars around the Old Town neighborhood where people would just get shanghai So they'd be uh, at the bars. Someone would pull a lever, supposedly, and they would fall into the basement, get knocked unconscious, and then the next thing they knew, they were on a ship in the Pacific Ocean. And so, to what end? What's that? To what end? Like, I mean, I always thought that was sort of like a myth, but it sounds like it was, you know, relatively true. But like, why would they be shipped off? Shipped off to, you know, Shanghai? I would guess, right? Uh, Slave labor is how the story goes. So, uh, a way to just get free labor on some of these ships. Okay. Um, and there's a lot of, uh, there's a bunch of tour companies. There's probably like two or three tour companies that give Shanghai tunnel tours. And one of them uses, uh, our space down below. It's <laughs> really spooky down there. Okay. Um, and we'll, we'll do like a, uh, they'll go down there and do their tunnel tour and they'll come up and they'll do a beer tasting. So it's kind of a fun touristy thing to, to do. Um, and I just like the name Shanghai IPA. And so had been holding on to it, and uh, it was Andrew's first project when he was at Old Town. Oh. Was to we we weren't like we didn't love our IPA, and Andrew was like, "So I hear you guys aren't really digging on your IPA. Well, tell me what you want." And it became this really cool team experience where we went through all of these iterations, uh, and then the final product was this just incredible beer that we all loved. And, um, Andrew, I think you told me you'd never been at the GABF award presentation before when Mm -hmm. you were with, with Sam Adams. And so we'd all worked as a team on this beer and we're in Denver and it won gold, uh, Oh, wow. Right out of the gate. And it was just like one of the coolest feelings in the early days of the brewery. And Andrew, we drank Goldschlager that night, uh, as a toast, (laughs) And, and Andrew was like, this was really cool. I've never been to an award show. And we were all high-fiving. That was awesome, yeah. <laughs> That's cool, man. That's a good story. It's, uh, you know, to win your first, uh, your first goal at your new brewery doing the, the new project, that's, uh, that's, that's got to be pretty special, man. Yeah, it was fun. 
Um, so I'm I'm sort of surprised that in a city that that has such a reputation that nobody had taken Shanghai IPA before. Right, like, as a name? Yeah, as a name, yeah. Yeah, totally. It was like <laughs> such a good name. And I was hoping that people would like the beer and it would do well because I didn't want to have to recycle that name and, you know, not be a good seller. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I like it. I mean, it, it is definitely like the old school, like you were saying, Andrew, the old school IPA. There's, uh, you know, I'm imagining a lot of crystal malt. No, it's two-row pale and honey malt. Yep. Oh, honey malt. That, nice. Wow. That, that is a throwback, man. It look is. That. And well, look then at that, Pacific Northwest hops, I'm guessing. Look at that color. Uh, I want to say it's Cascade, Columbus, and... Nugget? Uh, Nugget, Cascade, Liberty. Liberty, Columbus, and Crystal. Yeah. You're going Yeah, that's way my back. kind of IPA, for sure. Yeah, you would definitely like this. You're going way back, man, on that one. Yeah. But tasting it, I, I'm, I'm sort of surprised that there's no, like... I mean, honey, I guess, is a crystal malt, but... Mm-hmm. Um, those, it's not like a C15 or like a C40 when I think of like those old IPAs, right? Yeah. You know, those higher those higher Cs. But why why did you go honey malt on that? Uh, it's something that I, like before I got here, this is one of the first ones he was saying when I uh, moved into beer I worked on. And it was just one of those things I just got hooked on honey malt for a while just because it had like this real unique tart character. Yeah. But it was still sweet. So it was just like one of those things of just like it adds this, it adds more depth than what you would get with just a standard C15 or a a 20 or something like that. Mm -hmm. It just, you don't just get like this toffee note to it. You get a little bit more of a a unique sweetness. Yeah, it is like a, a brighter, almost grain thing, like a brighter straw maybe. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, a little bit. Maybe that's that's just the the hop combination. But uh, how do people take to the to the Shanghai? Um, I think people. I mean, I mean, because it's an old average. school, <laughs> it's an old school hot or old school uh, yeah. style beer. So, yeah. so it's old school. It is. It's our biggest seller um, in the pubs, not necessarily in the market. So that's where there's kind of that disconnect. We get a lot of people uh, coming just for that beer at the pub. Okay, but you know, as far as English IPA, it's not a crazy seller out there. Maybe on draft, but not as from a package standpoint, because people are really looking for those more juicy, um, you know, less malty um, beers. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. And that's what I mean. This is not <laughs> this is not it. But you're racking up awards with this thing too. I mean, since 2005, uh, you know, gold at GABF, bronze at the Oregon Beer Awards, gold at North American Beer, gold at World Beer Cup in 2018. And on and on, so that's awesome. This must be tickling the palate of. <laughs> I don't know. It's like really it's funny. like all the judges are drinking it, thinking this is what I want IPAs yeah. to be. Yeah, absolutely. Now, this is one though that I've always have to watch myself on because it's. Uh, I mean, even though it's for some reason it's like six and a half percent, it's not ridiculously high in alcohol, but I mean it's high enough. But uh-huh. I can find myself just drinking this one, and all of a sudden I had two, and I'm just like, whoa. <laughs> I gotta stop for a second. <laughs> it's ten in the morning. I have to make beer. I can't yeah. do this right now. <laughs> yeah, this uh, the name. I mean, obviously, it reminds me of the of the bar, the Shanghai Tunnel. Oh, you've been to the point. Shanghai Tunnel. I've been yeah. to the Shanghai Tunnel a few times, and it was my it's it's like one of my favorite places to go in Portland. I haven't been in several years, 
Um, but like going up there for Oregon Bruce Fest or whatever. Um, it's a great spot. It really yeah, is. They used man. to buy that one. They used to buy this beer a lot from us. Sure, I can imagine. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a few years. I saw um, what the fuck is that dude's name? No, it doesn't matter because it's a stupid story. But I saw some like actor in there. I was like, oh, that's cool. Well, I, I got cool. a funny story about the Shanghai Tunnel Bar. Tell it's me, the only bar in Portland I got I've gotten kicked out of. <laughs> what did you do, man? <laughs> so it was my turn to buy drinks with my friends. I stand up to go buy the drinks. Oh no! And someone threw a bottle at the bartender. And it <gasps> broke against the, the glass, and of course, I just happened to stand up at that point. So oh. he thinks it's me. So I get oh, totally no. bounced out of there. My God! I was gonna say you're such a mild mannered dude. Like, how did how did you accomplish this? I don't know. It was Andrew uh, who did it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he seems like the right angry place, type. Wrong time. It, was a go- it was a ghost, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff, man. You guys are, you know, you guys are are making some some very different, uh, some different tasting beers. But it sounds like there's there's definitely um, a lot of crowd appeal for that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? I'm I'm I, I guess I just sort of I don't know why I sort of go Portland beer scene is just hazy IPA and that's it. But I, and I know that's not true, um, but that's me. Um, but it's it's good to hear that you guys are are in, and to taste the the red that you're doing and the pilsner and you know the IPAs are even different too. Thank you. Yeah, yeah I think that's cool. We've been kind of grinding it out over the years, and uh, you know, in in some of these towns where there are a lot of breweries, it is really hard to stand out. Um, yeah. But one of the things that we like are the classics. We'll do you know fun one off beers and hazies, but you know, we do take pride in, in in the classic styles, and we think that the market is kind of coming back there right now. We're we're definitely seeing that momentum. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do want to talk real quick before we wrap up about your YouTube page. Okay. <laughs> Which is this is where we're getting into. Um, yeah. In case anybody doesn't know, uh, they do really weird, uh, you know, beer parodies or, or beer videos. Definitely funnier than the stuff that we've tried to do on the Brewing Network. <laughs> um, but I think it's funny because like some of your your views have like sixteen thousand or twenty two thousand views, and you have like a hundred followers on YouTube. And I think that's for me that shows the the uh, the viral aspect of the videos that you guys are doing. I mean, you're doing soap opera, uh, uh, you know, um, interpretations, right, or s- satirical yeah. soap opera syndrome. And so I saw that in in the pre-show, and I you know I, I click on the links, and I'm like, okay, what is this going to be? Forty five? It's a five minute soap opera. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, now that is commitment to the bit, and I I appreciated it. Well, I thank that, you. Yeah, they were they're very well done. Uh, you know, you were talking earlier about you know spending a lot of money on Instagram photos and whatever. Um, right. This sort of like fills that gap for you guys too, because it, I guarantee you that that wasn't they weren't necessarily really cheap to do. Um, well, we were able to do them in house, so that saved some oh, some money. Nice. Okay. But but um, really, what it came down to is we're just trying to figure out how to be different, like a lot of breweries and. We just kind of started doing, I don't even remember what the first one was. It might have been the Amazonia video. I don't know if you saw that with the string. Um, it was, uh, uh, that one is, was probably one of our first Where he was takes. like, and so in the orchard? It was like a, a Planet Earth type of beer. Okay. And uh, David Edinburgh. Um, and it, we had so much fun doing it and it got a lot of attention. And so we, started doing more and more videos and people were sharing them and talking about them. Mm-hmm. And so that became 
our unique place in you know in in our market and yeah. maybe a little bit on the west coast and uh it was funny you know we would go to you know world beer cup um you know craft brewers conference and people would recognize us from the video no way <laughs> yeah so you know That's there's cool. a couple of them that were really funny like our, our most successful which is views uh was old town gold mm-hmm. which basically we did a um a parody of old town road mm-hmm. yeah and um that was a blast and you know my kids were listening to that song constantly and we'd been doing videos for a while so i talked to jordan who was doing the, the creative part i said you know what the number one song for the last 20 something weeks has old town in it. If we don't figure out a way <laughs> to do a parody video on that, we're missing the opportunity. And, and uh, yeah, that one, just a lot of people loved it and cracked up about it. Yeah, for sure. Are you going to, are you going to uh, parody the, the other song they did? The Montero call me by your name video. Uh, <laughs> we haven't talked about that one yet. Maybe we're just one and done with that one hit wonder. We're a one hit yeah. wonder. <laughs> Yeah, you know, you should, uh, did you share that with little Nas X? Like, did you just like send it to his Instagram page or because I think that would we did. be we did okay, we good. Wanted him yeah, to yeah. kind of reshare it. Yeah, um, that'd be something I so, think he would be into because all those. I mean, he stayed up on the charts. I think he broke a record. Yeah, because he would just would put out like remixes and stuff. And some of those, uh, you know, parodies were doing really well. So we had hoped that eventually it would get in the right hands, uh, which it didn't. But it, you know, it got enough. You know, shares around the country and locally that, yeah. you know, it was good enough for us. And then I got to wear a wig. So I was really happy about that. <laughs> I hadn't been in any of our videos since because I, you know, let the younger kids do it. And I'm like, oh, OK, yeah. with this one, I've got to wear a wig. I want to be I want to be. Uh, oh, what's his name? The, uh, the country star. Uh, Billy Ray Cyrus. Okay. Right? <laughs> I, told Jordan, I want to be Billy Ray Cyrus in this. <laughs> That's right. Your first shot right out of the gate. You got to go big. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the kids. And the kids said, "Dad, I don't think he can sing, and I don't think he can dance." Oh, so I had to li- like try to live up to the challenge. Yeah, and did you? Like, well, did, the, did they come the, back the and go like? Was voiced, the, the singing was voiceovered. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that that tells me all I need to know then. About <laughs> did your kids know that, did, or did they come to you and be like, "Hey, Dad, look, I'm really sorry, but I was wrong." I don't know. <laughs> how- <laughs> Our kids never say they're wrong. <laughs> Just imagine Mike going, "Daddy, I was wrong." Yeah, I know. I know you were, and that's okay. Andrew, Adam, thank you very much for thank sending you. beers and joining us. Yeah. Uh, you can go to, what is it, oldtownbrewing.com is the website? OT Brewing. OT Brewing. See, mm-hmm. th- I thank you very much for shortening that, because uh, anything I can do to type less, these, especially these days, uh, I would appreciate it. OTBrewing.com. Uh, Adam and Andrew, thank you very much. Again, I appreciate Thanks for having it. us. Appreciate the time. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Teresa, mm-hmm. thank you, of course, as always. Anytime. We'll see you. Uh, thanks to everybody listening live on Facebook. If you guys want more good beer radio, go to thebrewingnetwork.com, of course, and uh, find all of our shows. We have uh, a couple new uh, Brew Strongs up there, a couple new Dr. Homebrews have been posted, so check those out, too. We are off next week. But uh, the week after, we have a show, and um, of course, it's going to be great. I mean, you know, all of them are just A+. We keep topping ourselves every time. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Uh, All right, everybody. Thanks a lot. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. um, And we'll see you.